Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Just Stone Cold set up. If you're gonna blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. You know, it's the offseason, but this is the busy time of year. It doesn't slow down. We've got Super Bowl, Senior Bowl, coaching hires, all kinds of stuff to talk about. And we'll get into as much as we can here on this latest edition of Longhorn Blitz. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing well. How about yourself? Not too shabby on a soggy, soggy day here in Austin, Texas. But, you know, even though the weather's bad outside, the third member of our team, always bring some sunshine because he's that kind of positive guy an introspective type guy that's why he's a renaissance man not just here uh, on longhorn blitz but on the horn where you can hear him each and every weekday on the broadcast from one to three lifetime longhorn 2002 ut all-american 2002 semifinalist for the jim thorpe award fourth round draft choice of the new york giants in 2003 spent his nfl career with the giants lions bears bucks broncos and a year with the hamilton tiger cats in the cfl when he was done with football he got himself back to austin texas and the 40 acres where he earned his degree whenever that team ring comes back in his possession. Matt and I will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they give you one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the intro, brother, as always. And, always uh, good to get that. Uh, that's an all-star intro, by the way. I get a lot. People compliment me on your intro, and I'm like, it's his intro. I didn't come up with that's, that's Jeff Isles' intro, and it's like... It is rhythmic. It's, it's very WWE-like, oh, yeah. and that's why people, I think, wrestling fans like it. It's, it's a little bit like a wrestling it is, yeah. Like, yeah, Mean Gene Oakland type stuff. There we go. Um, Rod, something that's near and dear to your heart, someone who's near and dear to your heart is Kyle Shanahan, one of your best friends in life. My dog, Shano. And he is coaching in the Super Bowl. And trivia question, for those of you who might not know, there are only two lifetime Longhorns who lettered at Texas to go on to coach the Super Bowl. Speak. One is Kyle Shanahan. Speak on it. And the other is Tom Landry. That's right. So. Yeah. Company you keep. Rod. (laughs) I want to get into this aspect of Kyle Shanahan, though, because this came up, you know, when all the NFL head coaching moves were going on and Mm -hmm. nepotism was a big topic of conversation and the Rooney rule and what's right and what's wrong. This is true. And the Rooney rule, there's a lot wrong with the Rooney rule. Right. Let me let you know that. Correct. Yeah. But and nepotism does exist. And right. Kyle Shanahan did actually benefit from nepotism. But <laughs> Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, the butt is what Williams, I wanted to talk Cardi about. Cardi B yes. size butt. That dude, trust me, as a football guy, he's a real deal. Yeah. yeah, he did benefit from nepotism. I'm not saying he didn't. He's like it's like JFK. JFK benefited yeah. from nepotism, but he was also pretty damn good in his short time as a president. Like it's one of those things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You get to conspiracy theories and all that. That's different. But I understand. Yes, that is a real thing. People in this obviously in this world benefit from that, and he did. But man, he is. He might be one of the best offensive football minds that I've ever been around, period. Like, yeah, it's weird. I, he's like he, a, he's a so, he's young head, a but he's an old head. He's like out of the young minds, great young minds. He's very rare when you have the combo of yeah. being around a football coach's he's family a, where it's a, you've lived and breathed football. He's a walking encyclopedia mo- of Modern football. day version of his, 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 his dad, Mike Shanahan. But people people don't talk about the Bill Walsh uh, coaching tweet that often, but um, I was doing some research and 16 of the last 21 Super Bowl winning coaches going back to, to 1990 have been from the Bill Walsh or Bill Parcells coaching tree. A lot of them from the Bill Walsh uh, coaching tree. That's Mike Shanahan. And Mike Shanahan may be the most evolved version of the Bill Walsh coaching tree when you go back and look at it. I know it sounds crazy. Andy Reid, and this is crazy. That's why they're this, playing each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, and this is why it's weird. Because Andy Reid, I think, if you look at the Bill Walsh coaching tree, he may be the most evolved passing version mm-hmm. of the right. Bill Walsh coaching tree. I don't think there's most well known for it's sure. It's the best passing offense in the NFL, period. And Patrick Mahomes is a big part of that. You look at the kind of the, the kind of the sub the subset 
you know, version of the Bill Walsh offense, which was Mike Shanahan, which was decided, you know, the zone blocking scheme from from uh, you know, from Gibbs that was going to be kind of the the forefront and that was going to be the feature of the offense. Kyle Shanahan has taken that to the next level, and that's why Mike Shanahan, ugly uh, uh, man, did did George did Seifert win two Super Bowls in a row? I don't no, know if Seifert did. never no, won. Two in a row. Okay, so honestly, you could argue that Mike Shanahan is the greatest disciple from the Bill Walsh coaching tree yeah you know what C- i mean because C- he yeah. won he won two in a row mm-hmm. which is almost impossible to do in the in, in the modern day nfl yeah, period nobody's won three in a row seifert can't seifert got to the seifert won in 89 they got to the nfc championship yeah. game in 90 uh mike holmgren came close to back to back Holmgren's one of those because they won in 96 one. and andy reed is from holmgren's they won in 96 the and then lost to mike shanahan in denver the following year yeah, exactly. So my, my point being this, the Super Bowl to me is so intriguing because I think of the Bill Walsh coaching tree. If Bill Walsh was alive today, mm-hmm. this is the souped up, roided HGH <laughs> version of his passing game with Andy Reid. Right. And if he could, if he was going to go toward a running game, it would be this running game for Kyle Shannon, which is the most creative <laughs> running game in the NFL. Some people would say, what about the Baltimore Ravens? The Baltimore Ravens needed Lamar Jackson to make their running game, running game dynamic. Kyle Shanahan is doing it with Raheem Mostert, a guy yes. who w- went through what six different NFL teams and so, didn't yeah. get a carry in the regular season. It was a special teams guy, mm-hmm. and now he had what in the NFC title game twenty nine rushes ever. for two hundred twenty rushing yards. All right, but but you know, but everybody's followed the Shanahan running game. We know yep. that's always been the Shanahan running oh, yeah. game. Selvin Young Mike was Anderson, a thousand. Yeah. <laughs> Olandis Gary, Gary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and then you now know, even like Terrell his, Davis, his version. Yeah. Of Rathman is a use check, like bringing in Vogue. Check, yeah. or, or, or even uh, Kittles what, is Brent what, Jones. What or whatever. is um, what's Bucky's homeboy? Uh, Howard, uh, Griffith. Howard Griffith. Howard yep. Griffith, who was also in that running game, was a fullback, right? Yep. That's when Shanahan got himself to fullback. You forget, Mike Shanahan didn't win the Super Bowl until he got Howard Griffith, a real fullback. Block for old yeah. TD. I remember TD, TD out of nowhere. In a row. And I think that's part of Shanahan's obsession with fullbacks, and we can talk about that later. But my point being, that's why I love this matchup. It is the best Bill Walsh running game. Game um, in terms of the disciples and the best Bill Walsh passing game, and they're going up against each other, and it is it's phenomenal. It's it's it's, an, it's for me it's football porn. I love it. Yeah. So I want to look at the, <laughs> the Kyle Shanahan aspect from this. Like you talk about, you talk about the nepotism thing, but like you said, Rod, nepotism just runs rampant in the NFL. Like it runs would, rampant would, everywhere. Would Bill Belichick have gotten a shot? That early in his career, if he wasn't Steve Belichick's son, for his, instance. By the way, Bill Belichick's son is his defensive coordinator. Right. <laughs> also Steve so, Belichick and also mulleted. So, but what I yeah. want to talk to you about with Kyle Shanahan is you talk about, people talk about the nepotism thing, like it, it's bad or whatever, but he grows up in a household with a guy who is a direct descendant from that Bill Walsh coaching tree. Mm-hmm. When take me back to when you first meet Kyle Shanahan, do you it, does it automatically come through like wow, the way this guy sees ball, knows ball, talks ball is just on a different level than everybody. I'll tell you strangely enough, uh, you know, the moment comes obviously we become very close friends uh later on, but immediately it's on the mad yeah, the mad became. I mean, I, I mean, be, between me and Sims and Shanahan and and Bo Skis and my man Montreal and a lot of other guys, hell, Roy Williams. But the mad when we were playing at the time, obviously, it's huge. Yeah, they even college football. We played more mad than we did college football at the time. That's when you start finding out his ability to. Uh, like in, in a poker game, figure out your tendencies and weaknesses. And then, <laughs> and what you did like. you hear the bit, uh, <laughs> the little clip that Sims asked him about film and watching? He was like, "Man, no, take this back to Madden." He was like, "He'd be going and motioning the guy down and saying, he no, the, the game's wrong. The bubble's supposed to be there. You're supposed to be blocking the ball.'" And he'd get mad, start yelling at kids online, and not have to tell him that he's a coach in the yeah. NFL playing Madden. A lot of, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just thinking about it. yeah, yeah. There, there, there are uh, a lot of times where there are you know things smashed up and broken up because <laughs> they didn't happen the way that Sims or Shanahan thought they were supposed to happen. But I remember even going back to that. Like he is a he's a true football savant. Like he really is. I, I remember the tips him giving me on Madden and all that kind of stuff. It's crazy you mention that. But even now, like okay, so uh, go back to 2016. 2016, only 18 percent. Mm-hmm. I believe the the number is 18 percent. Yeah, it is. It's 18 percent. The number of teams 
using play action pass at the time is 18% in 2016. Shanahan, who is the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons, is the only offensive coordinator, only guy calling plays in the league using play action pass at least a quarter of the time. 25% with, with the Falcons and they go on to win the Super not win the Super Bowl, but play in the Super Bowl and win the MVP with Matt Ryan. And now he was the only one doing that. Now I want to say that probably close to half the NFL is using play action pass a quarter of the time. Mm-hmm. Going back to his time with the Atlanta Falcons and probably before that, he's always been top five in pre-snap motions and shifts. Like he uses pre-snap motion more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. A ton. All right. He used like a hundred and seven or something they he, said yeah, in the Almost on each every play. play is going to tag, you know, whatever the power or the and the outside zone is probably their primary running play. But the outside zone, the power, the count, the trap, he's going to put, he's going to tag something on the backside for that backside defensive end, that backside linebacker, whether it be a bootleg, whether it be the orb motion, whether it be the jet sweep going back the other way. It's going to be something for y'all to think about. And I'm taking another guy away from the box and the numbers in that way. But also he uses uh, leverage and angles, and that's why he, he's obsessed with speed. That's why Raheem Mostert, who is not and not a Shanahan or a Lynch guy, is actually a Chip Kelly guy. It's why people hate on Chip Kelly, but Chip Kelly changed football forever. Yeah. People, he, yeah, people he, hate on Chip Kelly, but Chip right. Kelly changed the NFL forever. When Chip Kelly came to the Eagles NFL, he too. was the and, and even Zach Ertz admitted this. He was the guy that ran run pass option RPOs more than anybody else. And it was like, what the hell are we doing? That's why they took the NFL over the, when they originally came in. People got accustomed to it, hmm. all right. And Chip Kelly was his own. He was his obviously uh, part of his own downfall. But RPO that a lot of that Chip Kelly and even the Raheem Mostert. He knew a lot of talent. He, there was certain things he was really good at. And Raheem Mostert was a track guy. And you you look at the matchup between Kansas City and San Francisco. It's actually based on next-gen stats. It's the fastest basically the two fastest teams in the NFL. They they track miles per hour based on mm-hmm. ball carriers, rushes and, and 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 pass, you know, pass catchers. And they have said that Kansas City, their average ball carrier as a rusher or a pass receiver averages 13.36 miles per hour when they get the ball in their hands. The 49ers are right behind them at 13.35. Both of these offenses, Bill, you know, Bill Walsh disciple offenses, they also covered speed. That's going back to Al Davis, right? Al Davis obsessed with speed. That's speed, man. Yeah. Speed. You can't teach it, right? Speed. But he was right in the sense that you can't teach that. And this is why everybody knows the 49ers are running the outside zone. But when they add pre-stamp motion to it, when you got to think about the play-action pass, and when they also have a true fullback in use check and, and, and Kittle, a true tight end that can block, they can actually win the angles battle and still get to the outside schematically because they have more speed than you do to get there. So it is a it's a really fascinating offense that Shanahan has put together, man. And it is based on him using all these cheat codes all throughout, kind of gathering all throughout his you know tenure mm-hmm. as an offensive coordinator. And even with the Houston Texans, he was like that. And, and listen, and the he, Browns. Listen, he was one of the first guys to bring in the air raid too. And with Robert Griffin, People forget that with RG three when they went to get RG three, the Shanahan's went down to Art Browns and said, "Listen, we need the playbook. Mm-hmm. If we're gonna draft them this high, we, you got to give us the playbook so that we can." adapted to the NFL. And Art Browns, one of the first people he ever opened up to was like, all right, this is best for the program. I'll give you the playbook. He gave <laughs> the playbook to the Shanahan's. The Shanahan's one of the first people to open up and truly use the air raid principles in the NFL. And right now the air raid's going mainstream. The uh, the metaphorical playbook, as we know. The, the metaphorical, yeah, 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 I mean, basically, like, how do you use this guy? Role. What's yeah. the, what's the best way to utilize him and weaponize him? Because if you want to run the veer, we talked about this when Sterling Gilbert was hired. If you want to run the veer and shoot, there's only a few guys that you can hire to go get it. Sterling Gilbert, Matt Maddox, Amen. Phil Montgomery, Kendall Bryles, yeah. Art Bryles. As, if you want to run the legit veer and shoot, those five guys, pretty yeah. much, you got to have one of those Because Art Bryles was very clandestine about his version of the air raid. He yeah. didn't want people to know about it, which gave him an advantage. He knew because people couldn't prepare for it because there really was no way to prepare for it. There right. was nobody outside the circle. Right. Yeah, and I can't wait to just see Shanahan here because he is that type of guy that it seemed like he's obviously been, he's well wise beyond his years when it comes to coaching because there's this whole you know group of young coaches that are out there that all of which have had successes to get to a point but also when they face stuff against Shanahan a guy that has this almost like Belichickian encyclopedic lifetime knowledge now there's a reason why that say Belichick has been able to go and do things that he can identify on the fly and change an entire game plan and be confident in what he's seen and assess it and do it in the playoffs he's done it the last couple years and to have a young 
coach. And it sort of just brings me back to like thinking about Texas and Tom Herman here that when you first get your first ability to let your playbook out there, but you people get taped, then there's that ability to respond and adjust to you. And you've seen certain coaches mm-hmm. have struggles, but not to say that they're bad, but like McVay whenever against Shanahan or LaFleur against Shanahan and these guys that he can, if you're a really wise football guy, like say Belichick yeah. was initially to a Shanahan offense or like the way Shanahan is to these right now it's really cool to see this one young guy sort of feel as if he has that ability like it's a Neo in the Matrix on the football field he can see identify and call a third and eight trap because I know it's going to work and this is something that's going to go and just that confidence and ability to be where he's at at this age even though he sort of clumped in with those young guys he sort of is the one that stands out heads above the group because it would people could call it nepotism I call it just being like he's advantaged to be in the situation yeah. that you happen to have one of the best coaches in the history of football it's also be your, your dad. dad and it's the same <laughs> exactly. thing it's like it's yeah. a quarterback and it's like wait you're gonna say that's bad no this is good this kid he's probably doesn't yeah. even know how much he's lived and breathed football at the dinner table his whole life and those type of yeah. guys they're few and far between so if you can get the in the world of getting a competitive advantage to win and having to stay within the rule books doing so that's one good way to do it he's an he's an old soul we talk about that with Quandre Diggs and the Achos yep. and the Shipleys and the McCoys and you know, you're in a household where you eat, sleep, and breathe football, and you can't help it when you know Mike McCarthy recently was brought to tears when he was asked about like his family and getting a job with the Cowboys and how much it meant to his family. He was like, I, "My family needs football right now. We need football." I don't even know what the hell he was talking about, but he like almost <laughs> started crying. Yeah. But I think the point is your 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 life starts like to revolve Burrow. around that game. Your 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 wife becomes a coach's wife and the daughter, it all revolves around that. And so I think, yeah, it is. It, to, to me, there is something to being an old football soul. You grew up in all football was what you were mm-hmm. immersed in. And that Shanahan, I remember when when Mike Shanahan lost his job with the Denver Broncos, he went and studied under Bill Belichick for that time, between that time and when he got to the Washington racial slurs. People don't know that. He went because he was like, I might as well just go figure out, you know. He's one of the first coaches to go do the Mike McCarthy project and go, all right, let me figure out. Let me just go study coaches while yeah. I'm out. I'm just going to go study football, figure out what I've been missing, like how did I, you know, fall off, all those kinds of things. And under Belichick, Belichick started to have a true uh, affection for the Shanahan family and Kyle Shanahan, and that's part of why that Jimmy Garoppolo right, trade. He did. It was, it was partly because he liked Jimmy Garoppolo and he liked the Shanahan clan. He was like, no, no, no. I'll give you Jimmy Garoppolo. And now, I mean, now he's drafted two quarterbacks who have played in the Super Bowl. How right. many times does that happen? Very and, rarely. You know, very rarely. <laughs> so when you Rod, when you look at Kyle Shanahan's career as a player at Texas, there's nothing really that stands out in terms of his numbers. 14 catches, 127 yards, 9.1 yards to catch over two him. seasons. Yeah. Yeah, Texas was loaded at the receiver position, but and we've we've talked about you know Chris Sims did this. I know you've mentioned this, but is it fair to say Kyle Shanahan also brought kind of that professional approach? to the program in terms of this is how you prepare. This is the right way to approach it every day in terms of how you think about ball, how you study ball, how you need to watch film. And yeah, it's like a, it was a great resource to have two guys like that whose mm-hmm. fathers both had accomplished the ultimate pinnacle of football, right, and knew exactly how a, 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 a well-balanced locker room should look, should sound, should feel, you know what I mean, knew how hard teams had to work to to make it to that ultimate, uh, the apotheosis of the game, it really did help because in those offseason workouts, you can see that Chris Sims, you know, he he was able to command the the offseason really, really well. All right, and get the get the young wide receivers are right, working out here, and we're gonna have a we're gonna have a, a nighttime throw session here. We're gonna do one on ones, and it was it was I, I gotta tell you now looking back, it really was well organized. I don't know how I'm sure now it's really well organized too, but there was before seven on seven was a big thing right yeah. you know what I mean that's before guys in the offseason were getting together all the time so I, I gotta tell you I, I do think looking back that it helped and one thing Shanahan was really a freak about man he was and honestly not kind of looking back he was kind of teaching coach Drake some stuff mm-hmm. he was upset he had, he had these cone drills he was 
wide receivers coach from his uh, like as a player. Yeah, like as a well as a player in his infancy. I think you go look okay. back. I think he started out as a wide receiving coach, mm-hmm. and he was a freak about like the 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 details of footwork and the technique and route running. Because the truth yeah, is, the he was a listen, Shanahan and Shanahan be the first to tell you. Listen, I, he wasn't that fast. Yeah. All right, he wasn't. He didn't have freakish. He had he had great hands. We had freakish hands. He had freakish body control. Physically, he was not that gifted, but he had to be a great route runner, and that's where he made his money as being a great route runner. So you talk about a guy that mimicked mimicked McCaffrey yeah. and McCaffrey in every way. So Another nepotism go, Dude, thing. it was he basically Football was trying family. to be the next Edmund and it was so annoying. That's what Christian because, is. Because you know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. But he was he would basically try to you know how Ed, Ed McCaffrey was a great route runner, but yeah. he would give you all these different fakes just to run a six route. And he really would it would test your technique. It would test your discipline, your eye discipline. He would try to give you all these head fakes and all these crazy things and the footwork. And he was really good at that. And all the wide receivers kind of picked up some of that stuff from but that's stuff that he took from the highest level when he was out there on the sideline of a training camp watching yep. Ed McCaffrey and uh, you Rod know what I mean Rod Smith, Smith. yeah you mm-hmm. know what I mean all those guys go at it so yeah, you talk about it I remember hearing him tell the story about mm-hmm. him as a ball boy with the 49ers and just like you know he was more concerned about looking good but then he realized I'm on the field with Dion I want to look like Dion but then he was like I can hear watching how privileged and how happy he was that yeah. he got to be a ball boy and was watching Dion and Rice you know right there on the that 914, yeah. just all the teams he'd been around. Because, I mean, you can go back to even before that, whenever it was those Niners taking on the Giants and Belichick and the Youngs, like being that young and around that, that you were able yeah. to accumulate so much that it just makes it become such normal behavior that and when everybody else, it's chaos. And some coaches you can see being overwhelmed. It's like the next plays there, some of those guys, it's just like they're in the zone. They're in that co- football coaching mode that like very right. few players. And a beautiful irony is that he was on the sideline the last time the 49ers won their Super Bowl Yeah, because he was there with his dad who yeah. was also the offensive coordinator when they won the Super yeah. Bowl. 94 won. <laughs> yeah, so with it's Dion. just, it, it, it's eerie and it's creepy. I'm really happy for him. I'm really proud of him. It is, and I, I think the 49ers are going to win. I know I'm a little bit biased, but I think the 49ers are going to win the whole damn thing too. I think when you got a D-line that's that damn good and you got an offensive yeah. mind as, as freakish as his, I, I think giving him two weeks to prepare is almost unfair to anybody, but on the other side, you got Eric, you got Patrick Mahomes, who is the, probably the most. If if Bill Walsh could dream up uh, a fantasy quarterback that has all the features <laughs> that he would want, Bill Walsh would basically right. envision Patrick Mahomes. I, I, <laughs> I think I said it on your show. I think <laughs> I said, on, I think I said on your show when I was in with yeah. you one time that like people were like, well, how would you describe Patrick Mahomes? Like, well, how what what's the comparison? I'm like, really, when he's at his best, you kind of take the best parts of Randall Cunningham him and the best parts of Steve Young and kind of bring them together and that's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I, and I, I, like, I brought up your Randall Cunningham uh, comparison before and that's that is pretty close but you're right. Then it's, it's a little bit more net because he's more accurate than Randall Cunningham. It's basically Aaron Rodgers if he was a better athlete and a it little is. stronger and arm. Make, I see people make that statement like honestly he's a more athletic Aaron Rodgers. Like yep. you Because Aaron Rodgers was the first one <laughs> that had the cannon <laughs> arm that showed some athleticism. Because he doesn't he doesn't like to run. I think he ran for a 218 Yards and two hundred, maybe I'm right, two hundred in like seventy yards. He barely uh, ran all season. He he ne- he has eclipsed three hundred yards rushing in his time as a starter. But in the last two playoff games, he's been the leading rusher for the Kansas City Chiefs and has rushed for I think fifty three yards in both yeah. of those. And has been as you watch the games, he's been deadly yes. as a runner. He's basically, if you're tackles. fantasy guys like Lamar Jackson, uh, yeah, now, you and we remember that as a Longhorn fan. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I remember that Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes who's a beat you as a dual threat guy, but in the NFL, he has been synthesized that way in Andy Reid's offense, and now he can use that too. I, he's the one guy. He, I can say, he's a category five phenomenon in the NFL, and every now and then these guys come about and. Basically, there is no way to defend them. There's no way to defend Randy Moss. Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. Where you can come up with like, well, he's better against zone than he is when you play on man to man. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, we can throw out all those nuances, but the truth is, there is no way to defend Patrick Mahomes when he's when he's feeling it. Right. And that's what happened to the Texans when they were up twenty four zero. Having same thing happened to the Tennessee Titans when they were up seventeen to seven. Even though you got you got two Omega level talents. As well, you got Deshaun Watson up 
mm-hmm. and you got a Derrick Henry who's the one thing averaging you want six and a half yards per carry versus an eight-man box. But when Patrick Mahomes in that position, when he gets in the zone, then he makes your talent obsolete because his ceiling is way higher than even and I and I and trust me and I love Deshaun Watson. It's crazy to think it. His his ceiling I think is higher than Deshaun Watson's yep. ceiling, and his ceiling is higher than the Derrick Henry ceiling. And when he he hits supernova. Uh, level, then basically the game's over in like four or five drives. Like Steph Curry, right in a fo- in a yep, basketball game, the game where, in a second. yeah, like he goes Literally supernova the sport. in four or five drives, and then the Texans were out of the game. They they were they went from up twenty four to down at halftime. Mahomes' is second quarter, he went like to the Curry's zone. Third quarter, yeah, and He's then he did the same thing with Tennessee, right? Tennessee does the same thing. Like they're up mm-hmm. seventeen to seven. They're playing Tennessee football. Derrick Henry's on pace for one hundred and eighty three yards rushing, and then he goes supernova, three touchdowns and four. Drives, even the one they punted, he, it was a 10 play, 37 yard drive. He's almost unstoppable. And when he does that, you got to keep up with him. And if you can't keep up with him, mm-hmm. game's over. And it's that's just what's always so Vince Young at Texas. It, 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 very yeah. similar. You know? It's very like your, similar. Your only way to air quotes defend him is we just got to hope he doesn't have it today. Go and score with him. <laughs> and pray like he, you can score with him. Because if, if he's at his best, it's over. It's done. You I mean, got nothing you, it's nothing you can do. Uh, and I think from Mahomes, honestly, that is that was the case a couple of times. I've seen him struggle, and I got my theories on you know what you could do and all that. But the truth is, when he's on, it, it ain't nothing. You well, can when do. you bring in the tempo that you talk about yeah. and the ability to then quickly erase what could be like a whole half of good football in one quarter, like he yep. did it against the Raiders in the second quarter earlier this year when he threw for four TDs and 300 yards. But when you combine tempo and the ability to have these playmakers like Hill, the like you brought up speed, yeah. and like it's funny that like we don't even mention the two fastest if you go to next. Gen players this year for those two teams aren't even Tyreek Hill or Mostert. It's, it's Breida and Mikey Michael Hardiman. Oh, so, how about they and, good one? It should and be up Brita, there too, actually. And Breida yeah. has the fastest yeah. one in all of football, yeah. the Cheetah back there. So it, that, when those are other secondary options, yeah. you have that game-breaking ability on any play. And then, like, you see the footwork of receivers has evolved the game. It's like his toe-drag pass, which was, like, perfect footwork that you could see from a wide receiver now being incorporated into to a quarterback where you're playing the run pass option, getting the guy to go, your yeah. whole body's past the line of scrimmage, but you know you can drag your back toe and then just flip it for a touchdown. Those are the type of things that are literally indefensible because you're even evolving the almost indefensible run pass option mm-hmm. style, and it's so perfect for this Super Bowl to go full circle since we talk about Mahomes and Andy Reid being able to identify a talent, trade up, and get him where he did. What's so funny is if we talk about Mahomes' best comparison being somebody like Aaron Rodgers, well, you know who Mahomes replaced is Alex Smith and Alex Smith was the guy who was taken first overall ahead of Aaron Rodgers in that draft back in 2005 so yeah. like to see it go full circle with that those talents and then Andy Reid to pass on from Smith and identify Mahomes when nobody else did and get him to be the starter and build everything around it and be that confident to exactly what Reid deserves because he's always been the forever coordinator and that's why I love games like this because somebody who gets criticized like Shanahan as being a coordinator because of the Atlanta thing, it's like, well, now you got two of these guys that you've labeled as good coordinators but coaches, and one of them's going to be a champion, so you can't go and throw those type of labels on people. The, the Mahomes thing just makes me think we brought up RG3, too, in that conversation. When you look at Texas defensively, Rod, in the decade of the 2010s, there's probably not a decade where Texas defenses have faced better quarterbacks when you add up the Heisman winners and the first-round picks. Because you go – RG3, Baker, no, but just go chronologically, yeah, just right? Just go down the list. You start Brandon Whedon. Yep. Then there's RG3. Yep. You got Baker Mayfield in there. I'm not going chronologically. I'm going all over the place with Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Patrick Jared Holmes. Goff, Marcus Mariota's in there, yeah. Taysom Hill's in there, <laughs> yeah. no, you faced, Jake Fromm. Yeah, you face the evolution of quarterback play. The quarterback renaissance has actually come right through the 40 acres. Yeah. You can't – that's why the irony the of it is, right, when field. Matt Brown couldn't find a quarterback for all those years, yet Texas became the quarterback – Mecca, not just not just state of Texas producing more quarterbacks than any other college football program or any other state out there for college football programs or the NFL, but yet the city of Austin became yeah. the quarterback Mecca. Like that's why I was like the Shakespearean irony of it all was just it's unfathomable. And now that all comes to an pinnacle because Patrick Mahomes is the first quarterback in the history of the NFL to actually play for a college football team in the state of Texas and also start a Super Bowl.
All right, it's time for our first break on this week's show, but there is plenty of Texas football talk on the other side, so do not go anywhere. You're listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. I don't want to get too far because we talked a lot about Mike Yersich a couple podcasts ago, but when you look at now what Texas can do and you look at Mike Yersich's background, you know, you combine, now you take this Tom Herman pro spread offense, the framework of it, you've got a guy that's worked for Mike Gundy, which we know about the air raid influence mm-hmm. on Mike Gundy, yep. and coming from a staff at Ohio State where Ryan Day basically did the same thing. He basically took that Urban Meyer power spread offense and infused it with you know his time with Chip Kelly yep. and just kind of put his own spin on it. Like If you look at like what Urban Meyer was doing at Florida and like what Ohio State's done the last two years, it's a totally different offense. I totally agree. I agree with you on that. Yeah. And that's the passing my, game mostly. Right. And that's kind of the, the challenge for Mike Yersich is okay, what basically that's kind of I think what Tom Herman was looking for without really saying it. Like, mm-hmm. okay, can you do for can you do for this offense basically what Ryan Day did for, for Urban Meyer in that Ohio State offense? Yeah, because I think, you know, Dave Aranda's got the job at Baylor, right? And that's an, uh, interesting. And I, you, know, you look at the success rate of defensive coaches in the Big 12, and it hasn't been great. It's Bob Stoops who brought in the air raid initially, right, with Mike Leach and then Mangino. And then there's Gary, uh, Gary Patterson, who's had success. But remember, Gary Patterson commits to the air raid with Sonny Comby and also with Doug, Doug Meacham, Doug Meacham yeah. in, in 2014. And then... Then I think, honestly, I do believe R.C. Slocum was kind of a defensive guy. He had a de- he was both sides of the ball, but I think also he was a defensive guy too. Uh, but my point is those are the only three coaches that have won the Big 12 that are defensive, that you can even say are defensive coaches. Every other defensive coach has failed miserably. Bo Pelini at Nebraska failed because he brought in Sean freaking Watson and <laughs> Tim Beck. And by the way, Charlie Strong, defensive coach, failed because of the same damn reason. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> he brought in Sean Watson, but hell, Tom Herman brought in Tim Beck. Uh, my point is that it is you're right. You got to have in the Big Twelve that that balance. I think for Tom Herman, you got to have the the right balance of you know having that that offensive philosophy that can that can win a shootout, but also control a game. And that's what Tom Herman wants. He wants to control the game. <laughs> that's one, the game. The air raid has a tendency to lose control of the game. It's so extreme that sometimes the rails can go. You can go be going so damn fast, you can go off the tracks. Yeah. And we've seen that happen well, a couple of times Chiefs with the air raid. Chiefs didn't have a running game for half the season. Yeah, like you can. But that's just what. That's, that's kind of how the yeah. air raid is when it, in its extreme way. And I, I think that's why the Graham Harrell thing for Tom Herman, he was a little reluctant to do it. But I like the middle ground of a guy like Yersich who has background with an air raid. Mm-hmm. So not fully committed to it, but knows the philosophy, knows the concepts. And then he can come in and bring some of that to Texas and bring some of that dynamic passing game to his pro spread. That's why well, I love the year. That's, that's why I love the Yursich hire because yeah. that's basically Tom Herman. That's exactly what he was looking for. Yeah, the middle ground. Well, to have that in, the knowledge and be well rounded like that is so big because not always is everything going to work. Well, yeah. it, it, to to your point, we talked about this too. If Tom Herman was going to go in on Graham Harrell, I think Graham Harrell had to be in it with both feet and saying, yeah, let's go do this and let's go make this work. Hire and, my and guys. I, and I think do this. I yeah. think when there was started Good to be piece. the back and forth, not to say that Tom Herman didn't want to hire Graham Harrell, but I think that was maybe for him a little confirmation bias. Like, okay, maybe I don't need to do this. Maybe I just need to do what I wanted to do and just find somebody that can take this offense, take the bones of it. To the next and level. I say, hey, here, go evolve it. Go evolve it. I'm giving exactly. I'm giving you do it. Do what Shanahan's doing and Andy Reid are doing with the Bill Walsh offense yeah. with the West Coast offense. Right. Take the bare bones concept of this thing and take to the next level. What mm-hmm. what Lincoln Riley has done with the air raid. Like, just do that, but give you. Your interpretation of it, right. and I think that's what ultimately he wanted. I think Yersich is that guy. I know I'm actually really, really high on Yersich. The more and more research, and the more removed I am from the hire, or the more and more I like it. I'm still waiting on how I feel about the Chris Ash hire, but I'll tell you this: I almost guarantee that Chris Ash will have a good year in his first year. History says he will. history <laughs> says that he, his best year will be his first year, and he's inheriting very similar, uh, a very similar situation and circumstance. Two Manny Diaz, two Vance Bedford, and two Todd Orlando. Hell, even Will Muschamp's first year was probably his first, his best year too in 2008. So yeah, it'll be a great year. There'll be a top 25, top 30 defense in 2020. I'm gonna black I almost guarantee it. History tells you you got a really good chance of being right, Ron. I'm just saying, is that yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. if I'm yeah. wrong, I'll be no. shocked. 
But the, <laughs> the again, but the your the your satire, why I like it so much, he's done that before. Like I said, he did that for Mike Gundy. Mike he Gundy. basically went to Oklahoma yeah. State and Mike Gundy had got him from Shippensburg and basically said, Here, go run this offense. Take, he might take, be more stubborn take than, this offense and go evolve. He it. might be more stubborn than Herman about sticking to his, you know, the fundamental concepts of his offense or whatever it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I no, I the nurse thing, I'll be gonna work. We got it at the at the other positions though, the Andre Coleman uh hire I I I really like and we'll get into Jay Bulwer here, I'm sure. Here's yeah, I wanted to talk a lot about okay. Jay Bulwer this um, week. Yeah. Um you know we talked we hit on Jay Valai last week and so far and granted it's just mostly related to recruiting, but the reviews on Jay Valai and Andre Coleman, nothing but good so far. Andre Coleman I'm hearing great things about I think you know yeah. if I think that's kind of as you go through this process and try to figure out okay what was Tom Herman thinking I think he really had two choices at wide receivers coach if he couldn't hire Emmett Jones I think he was completely fine promoting Andre Coleman because he knew why go out and try to interview all these guys when the best candidate is a guy in house right here for what you want and no. like I said I mean can you take a lot? What can you take from Andre Coleman's background at K State? Like, well, he doesn't have recruiting skills. Well, we know Bill Snyder doesn't value say, yeah, recruiting yeah. in the sense that a lot of other people do, do with the high school recruits. Talent development at K State. They develop talent. <laughs> they, they, they get guys to produce. And you look Andre Coleman's receivers while he was at K State, while he was in charge of that unit. He always had good receivers. And think about it, they don't. The, the passing game is not. You know, I mean, the the bread and butter, the be, the bones of that offense. Right. It's always been the running game, and that's what they've been built around. They've always had a Tyler Lockett or somebody like that that can go yeah. go beat you deep yep. and, and can take over a game. And the other thing I like about Andre Coleman is you talk to K-State people, and one of the things they'll tell you is he, he was one of the guys on that staff that really got after it in recruiting, mm-hmm. even though there wasn't the premium placed on it, at least at the high school level, that other programs in the Big 12 have. So basically Andre Coleman coming to a place like Texas, it's going to elevate everything he does well. And, and I think with him, Rod, there's just – you talk to enough people, there's just no real – Weakness, yeah, I like that. In terms of Overall, in terms of what yeah. you look across his, the board, uh, Andre people Coleman. think he has great, uh, you know, uh, people skills, right? That he relates very well. To people relationships matter to him from a recruiting standpoint. I'm with you. I've heard that he's a he's a dog, not necessarily an ace, because ace means you get him all the time. All right, that your success rate is really high, and you're getting the top recruiters, top re- recruits. But the, he doesn't do that at K State. But he's a dog. Means he works hard. He grinds at it every day. He enjoys the grind of recruiting, and it is a grind. And and also, he's a he's a freak about details in uh, in technique and about footwork with wide receivers. You know, route running. Is, I was just talking about with, this with Shanahan. Route running is a craft, man. You got to cultivate it. You got to be really good at it. Some guys aren't that good at it, but I think at at one point, every great wide receiver starts to take a, a lot of pride in their route running. If if Andre Coleman can start that process earlier for these wide receivers yeah. who always have who also have freakish ability, man, that can be a Huge plus for there, there are very few guys throughout the history of the game. I mean, and you can, you know, the Randy Mosses, the Des Bryants that can get by for an extended amount of time at the highest level of football without being great route runners. Yeah. But just, just based on you're just that much of a physical freak and you yeah. can you can make a living on A lot of that. people say that's what happened to Des Bryant. Uh, the Des Bryant's career, basically, the reason it's been short chased because Des Bryant relied almost and the Cowboys who uh-huh. didn't develop talent necessarily that well. Right. Yeah. That they didn't focus that on, was your best option. Yeah, they didn't focus on him as a route runner, but he was just a freak of nature. And Tony Romo was so great at ball placement. I mean, he was right. unbelievable. Exactly. And that that relationship, that's what made Des Bryant elite at the time. But then once the physical, you know, the physical ability started to deteriorate, which happens to everybody's father time, that like like Jerry Rice, who was still a great hell, I played against Jerry Rice. That's why I practiced against Jerry Rice. But you know what I mean? Like that's, that's how crazy. long Jerry Rice lasted. <laughs> that Rod B, who had a short minuscule tiny NFL career got a chance to press against Jerry Rice because he was still playing in the league in 2005 I believe Six, when, you're when I see it like, yeah, 2005 well, I mean shows what why Larry Fitzgerald's still there and right now exactly Larry Fitzgerald going on With 17 Kingsbury seasons loves because at this him. point if he talks yeah, about him he's just run, he's just a great route run yeah. he knows leverage he knows space he knows how to to to, to, to judge the, the hips of a defensive back all those kinds of things and Dez never learned those subtle nuances and that's why now skills 
deteriorated, even though he should be on the NFL roster, right? Still somewhere <laughs> collecting checks, you yeah. know what I mean? It's a third wide receiver. He can because he can't create separation because he has no physical skill to do it, but you still should be able to create separation with just your knowledge of the game, all right? And, well, and, and that's, and that's what the older, savvy wide receivers, they learn. They're like, oh, no, I'll still get open on mm-hmm. Julian Edelman ain't that damn fast. Trust me, he probably wasn't that fast to begin with. He now understands leverage and how to get open and the route concepts. And well, all that's that how Jerry, Wright, Jerry Rice plays for so long. Tim, Tim Brown plays exactly. in his Tim late 30s. Slow for, <laughs> Tim Brown's been He was never fast. Five yeah. in his last four years, but he was getting open. Well, <laughs> and the success of, say, a Desen Romo just is even more indicting of the Cowboys because just yeah. the lack of a framework of any type of scheme ability or just development of a player where you're just like, oh, I ain't got anything to tell Des. That's Des and Romo. He's going to win those battles. And Romo, I mean, if that's yeah, your best yeah. option, he's going to win a 50-50. And, yeah, yeah you can win those and, that way, but it and, also isn't going to develop and, or age well. And yet the 49ers, I'll get this stat, we'll go back to Texas football. The 49ers will be the seventh team in Super Bowl history to reach the Super Bowl and play it without a pass attempt, a pass reception, or a pass rush from a first-round pick. <laughs> well, they only one. had to pass the ball seven <laughs> wow. times last game. I <laughs> won. Just you talk about these uh, guys. They find like, all right, let's develop this guy. Let's get it going. You know, I don't want to get too far off on this tangent, <laughs> but I was thinking this is, uh, you know, Rod. You know, I'm a Cowboys fan. You and I talk Cowboys when we're off air. And I told you one of my biggest fears was they're going to miss that window when when Dak Prescott's on that rookie contract. <laughs> they're going to miss that window, and now mm-hmm. you got to pay him. And and I this morning actually I was thinking about the 49ers from that standpoint because I was listening to some Dallas radio, and I was like, yeah. well, I was like, you know, 49ers are paying Jimmy Garoppolo market value to quarterback position exactly. and yet they're still kind of piecing it together and lead offense yeah yeah, because they're not paying office. anybody else, right? Exactly. They're yeah, not paying anybody else. All their all their money is invested, or at least big time money, in first round picks on the offensive and defensive lines. Other than that, they got you know they got great it. scouting and great coaching Pretty to much. identify yeah. and put it in. And there you go. You, if you can find that, then you'll be set up but, well. Hey, I'm glad you know you bring up the Kyle Shanahan thing, and this kind of brings it full circle a little bit. When we talk about you know you, something you mentioned, and I had heard you heard you hear variations of stuff like this over the years. But what you said that, you know, you were talking to Mike Shanahan one time and he talked about kind of the four pillars of mm-hmm. a championship yep. organization. Yeah. Really. And Rod, go over everybody. What are the four pillars again? It is uh, talent acquisition, talent development. It is culture. And then your some people are scheme or system, whatever you decide Very. to build around. So your you football know? philosophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, for the uh, Yeah, exactly. For the Shanahan's, I think it was a zone blocking scheme was kind of right. there. Yeah. So I started thinking about that as it relates to this conversation that a lot of people are having as Tom Herman's building this staff and it's almost like the term five-star recruit gets completely overused. It does. Um, the term rainmaker recruiter gets way overused. And Do now there's a debate. I don't even know what it is. What is yeah, that yeah. Mean? Give me the definition of a rainmaker. Tim Brewster. I like the term. Tim Brewster. So Brewster. the ace. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like an ace. The Earlier ace. Okay, I yeah. thought of ace. Okay. One yeah. of those type guys. Yeah. Basically, you go into a living room. You By the time you get to the, the in-home visits in the living room, you got the guy. And every staff supposed to have one of those guys. Yeah. yeah. And it's one of those deals where you, now the debate is, well, you know, you need to this program they need coaches who can develop more than they need guys who can recruit and my thing is you need both you do need both. you need both you can like yes i'm not we know we talked for the entirety that we've had this podcast and the various forms yeah. that we've had it how much talent development and when you look at texas in the 2010s if you're looking at why things went the way they did rod the two things that are probably at the top of the list yes talent development is there so is talent acquisition yeah I agree. Are you getting the right kind of guys? And and I heard Urban Meyer say this. Uh, it was like that one year. Don't matter. That one year between his time at Florida and Ohio State, where I think he was doing TV for ESPN. I heard him say this, and it's like burning my brain. He said at the end at Florida, they got so consumed with acquiring talent that they forgot about the process of building a team and making sure that talent fits into what they wanted. They forgot about character. Yeah. Yeah, that's part of it, too. You gotta and, look at that part. It's part of it. Yeah. And I think tech, you know, I'll just give you one example because I had a, 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 an assistant on Mac Brown staff tell me this exact thing. There was a time where they were so consumed trying to find the next line of Swede that they looked around one day and they're like, wow. We got a receiver room full of just big slow guys. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the idea. You couldn't that, see the forest for the trees. And yeah. I, I was thinking about this the other day, but it, the, the prototype has always been what was in vogue. And we've learned over time, like, there isn't a next Jordan. You're wasting your time trying to find it. If you look at the way that quarterbacks are built now, it isn't yeah, everybody trying to find next cutters, Joe but everybody was yeah. trying to. So the prototype isn't it. Just try to align whatever your t- team's archetype or whatever you visualize as a strength around it because it's always going to be changing. But it's hard and rigid whenever. Yeah. You're going to every year find Amen. a new group of kids, and which ones no. do you get? Amen. And that's a that's a mark of a good coach. That's why I think Mike Vrabel's a good coach. Oh yeah, because you just got to figure out what Tana the Hill. system is. <laughs> yeah, like all right, what 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 are my circumstances? What what's the best system to work? All right, and now let's try to perfect and cultivate that. That's why Belichick's system, what they win by, changes year after year. Sometimes they're running with a damn fullback out there and 21 personnel. Sometimes they're running a three four instead of a four three, and everybody else is running a four three. Sometimes they're running the double tight end set with Aaron Hernandez and, and Gronk when nobody else is. Like, it, it mm-hmm. changes. Like, the way the Patriots have won, the reason that they're, to me, the, the dynasty is so compelling is because it's never the same. It's always been Every different. time they reach is like, <laughs> it's a different reason. It's like, Went from, from the boring defense to sucks this year and now there's like, yeah, two tight like, ends to all running backs. Yeah, you know what A I mean? million birthdays. Yes, it was never the same thing. Like, even, so I'm with you, when somebody Strength. gets stuck, when a coach gets stuck like Tom Harmony, I'm like, I don't feel bad for you. Because I know there's a way to success. You have just uh, kind of closed your way off and your sight to it because you can't see the forest it's for like the trees. You're, in a maze you're too just ignorant. going yeah, into the walls. Because ahead. you don't want to use bunch formations or what you whatever you whatever it is you want to name right. You don't want to open up the offense enough, and that's why I don't feel bad for those guys because there's a there's a way to success. I've watched it happen. The Tennessee Titans were doing it a way that the 1970s Miami Dolphins were doing it, and they almost actually mm-hmm. won the AFC title game. They were really close to it. That's a different way. That's you ain't got to win the same way as everybody else. Well, right. and if you think creative. that way, you're going to lose because you aren't being original. Yeah, you're just copying others. Exactly. I, I, yeah, it's going to be a little tougher next year, but it's exactly. also that thing to learn from because but, these are the type of things yeah. that if we identify them, that's where you either get that coach that does do the things that we're hoping to see and, and, and understands yeah. that you can't just pigeonhole yeah. yourself into those Is few it? situations when, and run your head into You the know wall. you need to give the offense over to Mike Yersich when at the end of the season, you run a bunch formation, mm. and you, and your guys are like, you know what? Innovative. That was. <laughs> That was our innovative schematic advantage. It was like it was a bunch formation. Yeah. It wasn't. I mean, you know, you're not reinventing the wheel here. It was a bunch formation. You should have been running Colin Johnson a bunch right. formation from 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 week one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, there's a couple. There's a couple things of that. <clears throat> I, I think that's Tom Herman. We you know we talked. I wrote about after the Baylor game about him needing to really look in the mirror this offseason and then decide what needs to change. I'm glad he finally stood up and said what he initially said when he took the job. I don't want to call plays. I don't want to call them from the sideline. I don't like it. Yep. I'm not comfortable. And we talked about Rod. Like, that's one of the things. Like, there are some head coaches. Like, Lincoln Riley is always going to call his own. Yep. Kyle Shanahan's always going to call his own plays. Jimbo Fisher's always going to call his own and plays. He, like, Shanahan's certain... comfortable calling him from the sideline. He's yes, been he there is. his whole life. Not every coach is. Herman, not in that and type it's, of family, it's, being amen. up in a box. Right. It's, that really does matter. It's not an indictment against Tom Herman. No, it's not at just all. what it is. Honestly, I appreciate the fact that you've been honest yes. with us. Because, like you said, he admitted yeah. that a while ago, and we didn't really listen. We're like, ah, you'll deal with it. Get used to it. Yes. And then he was like, no, I really don't like it doing it down here. I prefer to call plays up in the booth. So you're right. And now and he's now, like, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to have gonna somebody else that can do that. All right, break time on the show. We've got some football talk on the other side, but it is also going to be time to wrap it up and put it in the oven, and we will do that as we close out another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. If you're worried about your cholesterol, hear how others are taking charge with garlic. My doctor said my cholesterol was borderline, but I've been taking garlic, and it works. I've been taking garlic for years. My pharmacist recommended garlic. He said there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. I take garlic every day. No garlic breath. Lots of people like you are choosing garlic to help maintain a healthy cholesterol. Garlic, it's cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. <laughs> Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. 
Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. I'd love to hear more. Do you have a card? This is it. This is when you can either let something happen or make it happen with your professional custom card from Vistaprint. And we're now introducing free shipping on all business cards in any quantity. You pick the look, the style, and the statement you want to make in the moment. Now's the time to make something happen for your business. So for a limited time only, you can own the now with free shipping on all business cards in any quantity at vistaprint.com. Just use promo code 4545. That's vistaprint.com promo code 4545. Keeps coming. You know what to do. Hey, I'm going to just rip this Band-Aid off. We need to break up. You're just, you're not good for me. I'm always sweaty and uncomfortable around you. And I'm not getting any benefits from this relationship. You're just a basic memory foam mattress. I deserve better. And before you ask, yes, there is someone else. I've been seeing the purple mattress online for a while now. Don't blame yourself. How can you compete with a bed that totally supports me, hugs my pressure points, and sleeps so effortlessly cool? Not to mention the 100-night trial and free shipping. Now that's a bed with benefits. It'll make me feel better than you ever could. Break up with your old mattress and get with Purple today. Take advantage of Purple's Snorin' 20 sale and get free sheets and a premium sleep mask when you buy any Purple mattress. That's up to a $158 value. Claim your free premium Purple gifts today by texting OFFER to 84888. That's keyword O-F-F-E-R to 84888. Data rates may apply. Asthma symptoms can attack anywhere, like on a city street. (coughs) Now you can get fast relief anywhere with new improved Primatine Mist, the only FDA-approved asthma inhaler available over the counter. So whether you need relief of symptoms at the park or at your kitchen table, Primatine Mist starts working quickly, opening up your airways to restore free breathing. For temporary relief of mild symptoms of intermittent asthma, use Primatine Mist and breathe easy again. Available at CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens. Use as directed. Keeps coming. You know what to do. Hey, I'm going to just rip this Band-Aid off. We need to break up. You're just, you're not good for me. I'm always sweaty and uncomfortable around you. And I'm not getting any benefits from this relationship. You're just a basic memory foam mattress. I deserve better. And before you ask, yes, there is someone else. I've been seeing the purple mattress online for a while now. Don't blame yourself. How can you compete with a bed that totally supports me, hugs my pressure points, and sleeps so effortlessly cool? Not to mention the 100-night trial and free shipping. Now that's a bed with benefits. It'll make me feel better than you ever could. Break up with your old mattress and get with Purple today. Take advantage of Purple's Snorin' 20 sale and get free sheets and a premium sleep mask when you buy any Purple mattress. That's up to a $158 value. Claim your free premium Purple gifts today by texting OFFER to 84888. That's keyword O-F-F-E-R to 84888. Data rates may apply. I want to keep my heart healthy, so I get my cholesterol checked regularly. And when my doctor told me my cholesterol was borderline, I found garlic. According to my pharmacist, there's an ingredient in garlic that helps maintain healthy cholesterol. And one garlic tablet is equal to a whole clove of garlic, except it's odor-free. Yep, I'm doing what I can for my cholesterol, and I'm doing it with garlic. Garlic, cholesterol's natural enemy. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Use as directed. Welcome back to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Here again is Jeff Howe. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049-1019-AM1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can get Rod B. on the Rodcast each and every weekday from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. Thanks to Matt, you can find our classic interviews, classic shows, all of our archives are on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, type in Longhorn Blitz. And you can search Horns 24-7 Podcasts anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. Anywhere you get your podcasts, you get us, State of Recruiting, and the flagship. Just search Horns 24-7 Podcasts. For the Horn family for the horns 24 7 family i'm jeff howe thank you so much for downloading and listening and we will catch you again on the next episode you've been listening to longhorn blitz with horns 24 7.com remember for the latest